0: You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I am Dave Hooker. He is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. And boy, do we have a lot to get to today. We are going to grade out the offensive, excuse me, the defensive lines and uh, the SEC in the film room also Uh, We've got news out of uh, Ole Miss. We've got news out of LSU. We'll go around the country and uh, take a look at a transfer cornerback, Chris Steele, and where he will end up a recruiting report as well on on a commitment of uh, Kellen Burrell uh, locked in with his pledge to UT uh, San Antonio. We'll talk to uh, Chris about that. Also a scouting spotlight with Georgia junior linebacker, Monty Rice, Alabama junior linebacker, Dylan Moses. So, man, are we loaded up on your locked on SEC football podcast today? And, well, I got to remind you if you're upgrading your wardrobe, you're set. All you got to do is go to twillery.com and use. The promo code locked on that's locked on. Go to twillery.com, you get $25 off. If you bundle four shirts together, then they're just $55 a shirt. They don't wrinkle, itch, they're cool, so you don't sweat. Twillery makes stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge easy, affordable, and the perfect fit. They also have the untuckable. Version performance dress shirts, again, for as low as $55. They are simply awesome. Free shipping and returns, so try on some twills risk-free. After all, feeling is believing. Smart Casual has gotten smarter and cheaper. Twillery brings performance work shirts to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. For as low as $55 a pop when you bundle four or more and free shipping and returns it's a top value and smart work where you can grab them here i'll tell you more about twillery as we move on but first let's talk about the top defensive lines in the sec i'm very curious uh, how you have them ranked out I, I assume we'll hear some uh names that we hear from year to year some of those uh constants and the the alabamas of the world but um when it comes to great defensive lines, it's not just limited to the elite programs, Chris.
0: No, it, it's it's not. I mean, uh, it, it normally kind of falls along those lines because I think to be great in football, you've got to be good on the lines and particularly defensive line. It's, I think, overall, uh, the second most important position in football as quarter, it, it, particularly in the pro game. But even in the college game, I think it is quarterback. We know the importance to touch it on every play. But if you're going to affect that quarterback, a great defense is built first and foremost from the front back as opposed to the back front. So the defensive line is really important. And, and to me, going into the season, and this is all we're looking at is just the personnel, the value of the players, uh, the quality of the players. There's no doubt in my mind that going into the season that Auburn has the best talent maybe in the entire country on the defensive line. Derek Brown, Nick Cole, Marlon Davidson are really, really good um and, and kind of lead a group that not only has quality, but um has experience. So they jump out to me as the number one. I think Alabama is the second most talented uh defensive line. Um, they're young though I think you can say the same about Georgia um, You know When you talk about a DJ Dale That's going to uh, Fidarius Mathis Guys like that that are going to have um, You know uh, uh, Impact You know that, that tells you that there's a little bit Replacing some experience They've got, uh, They've got a dozen guys that can play But a lot of them are first and second year guys Talented yes Like their depth I give their overall depth a little bit of an edge over LSU, but probably when you're talking about the starting unit, LSU might rank as high as second. When you think about Rashad Lawrence and Brandon Fieco and Glenn Logan, they've got a little bit more experience uh, than Alabama, but I think Alabama's got a little better depth. So I would probably go uh, splitting hairs because of the the difference in where one is a little strong, others is not is not as strong. I would go with, Alabama two, uh, LSU three, maybe even put them as, as a tie there. I think Georgia kind of fits into a similar mold as Alabama, not quite as deep, but it is very, very good, but very, very young. Uh, I think outside of that, then people may be a little bit surprised to know that Kentucky's bringing a pretty good defensive line back. They lose a few key guys, um, on defensive side, but even with Josh Allen gone, they've got some some good young players, uh, not very deep, but pretty good. Florida is very talented in a lot of respects, young, but is a pretty good um, defensive line as well. Missouri will, uh, will be pretty solid. I think Jordan Elliott's going to help him. He's the Texas transfer, but I, again, I worry about him depth. When you look at the the programs like the Kentucky or Florida, you worry a little bit about their depth, but the quality of the front force is pretty, pretty solid. Um, I think that, uh, believe it or not, comparatively speaking, we can rank them within the league, but I think that Vanderbilt built in South Carolina. I think South Carolina's defensive line is very underrated. Um, it, it, and I think is probably in the top 25-30 in the country. But would, would slip down um, a little bit lower in the SEC just because of the competitive nature and the talent level. I think Mississippi State has some quality guys. NM is young, but it's pretty good. Vanderbilt has a couple of key young guys. Um, Arkansas, Tennessee, um, getting better, but not all that good. Ole Miss is having some depth issues. They'll probably have them uh, right at the bottom or near the bottom. So, That's kind of how I see them with definitely uh, Auburn and Alabama and LSU. um, Really, really good. Georgia kind of right there in that group. Um, Then I think there's a little bit of a a delineation after them. And then I think you get into um, some quality defensive lines, but are not quite as good. But, you know, what's interesting about it, this is what separates, I think, the SEC. When you talk about talent, People would just throw that word out. I think where the SEC traditionally, historically, has been better is they've got more big guys on the defensive front that can run and hit and are big and physical. Um, They have greater numbers than other leagues do. And I'm talking top to bottom. So when you look at a South Carolina, a Tennessee, an Arkansas, Um, You get more teams that have quality play. If we were ranking this list and mixing in some other, you know, the the Pac-12, the Big 12, you would see some of these schools like a South Carolina, like a Mississippi State, for example, they would rank pretty high in the league, like top three or four in most other leagues. In this league, they kind of fall out of it. So I want to keep that in perspective, that nationally – it's really good. It's by far the best defensive line league in the country. But that's kind of how I see them within the league, how they stack up going into it. Keep in mind that when I grade these defensive lines during the season, and we'll kind of, you know, we'll go through a lot of games during the season, week in and week out, Dave. But we're going to touch on some things like this, and who's grading out best uh, on the position groups. It will, it won't probably, it will definitely be different. Because the experience level, for example, I could probably tell you that Alabama's defensive line by early November will probably grade out, if not the best, uh, you know, I think will probably end up being the best because the youth will gain some experience and they've got better depth than anybody right now the star quality of the top guys, I'd give Auburn an edge. But if they have some injuries or they have to work into their depth while they're good, in fact, they're very good, they're probably not as deep as um, as Alabama. So just keep that in mind. It's a, it's a look at it on paper going into the season.
2: I know that coaching staffs aren't static, Chris, but if you had a top three or five of uh, coaching staffs that develop defensive lines. And I'm not just talking about the position coach, because obviously Ed Orgeron is going to be very involved with the defensive line at LSU. But uh, as far as staffs that produce defensive linemen and develop them, uh, who do you particularly like out of the SEC?
0: Well, <clears throat> you kind of mentioned um, Alabama. And, and you know, we're talking about different guys over periods that have been the coach there, and uh, obviously coaching the defensive line, uh, the the whole defense is something that is is it is constantly interchanging. So, you know, Brian Baker is very good, but he's kind of new to Alabama. the the way they teach it, and because of the involvement of Nick Saban, that will be a huge uh, advantage. So they consistently year in and year out do from a technique standpoint. Alabama's defensive line grades out the best just in terms of how they teach it, um, how they get you know better week in and week out and improve. I think that, uh, that jumps out at me. Um, for example, Auburn, while they're good, Rodney Garner, who's the D-line coach, is a better recruiter than he is a teacher of technique. I think their guys are good, but I think Kevin Steele has a lot to do with their play up front, and I think the development of their defensive line um, is is more to do with him than it does with Rodney Garner. Um, over at LSU, they do a solid job. Now, Ed is more recruiter. Ed gets his guys to play hard on the defensive line, but they're not great technicians up front um, in terms of teaching. Uh, but I think they're they're pretty solid. I, I think that um, you know, for example, over time, you know, Greg Kulikowski did a great job at Alabama last year. He was the guy at Missouri for years that developed all these guys. He's not there uh, anymore. He's not at Alabama anymore. Uh, I think uh, those guys kind of jump out at me as really, really good teachers. Um, some of the other guys have a little bit less of a pedigree at this point in terms of how they teach what they teach. Um, And you kind of, you kind of mentioned it, the, the fact that it's not very static, you know, we got to really into fairly grade, you got to go by, you know, how a guy does with what he has. And some of the guys in the league, we just need to get a bigger sample size of their development of players at their position. And uh, that's kind of how I would say it. I would say that Alabama really on the defensive side in particular, um, is as good as it gets. And it's because what the guys teach, teach what Nick Saban wants taught. And it's the best, uh, from a technique standpoint, um, they're, they're the very best in the country without question.
2: Let's talk some uh, gentlemen who have decisions to make as part of our big lead. And, uh, that uh, has to do with the major league baseball draft, which was held, uh, this week and could affect a couple of guys, uh, one at Ole Miss. And uh, your your thoughts as uh, what LSU freshman quarterback Maurice Hampton might do as well.
0: Well, first of all, listen,
2: far be it from
0: me. I'm staying in my lane. I get all that. I, I, you know, as a baseball fan, I'm trying to figure out if Major League Baseball and I get tradition, they can't figure out a better way. They, they traditionally have the draft on a Monday it's always around between the regionals and super regionals, and sometimes we have the regionals end up on a Monday, the same day as draft day. How weird is that, Dave? Very uh, weird. We had we had a situation. The kid and I forgot the kid's name. He's the second baseman at UCLA. I I, I don't know. If people saw this, so he's on the on deck circle. How's how's this for? Five minutes of your life that you'll never forget. He's on the on deck circle. And he gets told he just got drafted. Great. Congratulations. Wow. He goes up and I think the second pitch, he goes yard. How about that? I mean, you get you get picked and you and you you hit a home run there. It's just kind of weird. I just can't imagine that. Um I realize, you know, it's June drafts, June draft, but you wonder a little bit if they could maybe make it to where kids could actually maybe be with their families. And uh, I, I just find it very weird. Anyway, I, I digress. We had some news that affected uh, a couple of quality prospects in the SEC that were based, great baseball players. And depending upon where they got drafted and what the offers were, they were going to decide what they were going to do. So let's start with Ole Miss. A outstanding running back, a five-star running back in Jerry and Ely. He is going to stay at Ole Miss. Great for them. Really outstanding back is the the star grade indicating, uh, which I don't always agree with. It, it does in this case. Um, this is a talented back. I don't think Ole Miss has had a back coming in that's been as good in the years. All even under the the Hugh Freeze days, they they were not able to get the the backs that that look quite like this. So now I don't know about his future in baseball, like next year and where he'll possibly get drafted. Um, He's expected to to play baseball as well. So, but it's great news for Ole Miss and as a football guy for him to uh, decide to stay at Ole Miss. Now for LSU, the corner Maurice Hampton is now going to enroll at LSU as he did not get drafted in the first round in um uh in 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 the draft. Six twos, 175 pounds. Uh he's gonna play both baseball and football, obviously, with LSU's baseball program. Uh it's good for both the baseball program and the football program. Um don't like not being able to do as much in spring, but they've got to work around it. So two good uh, good news for both Ole Miss and LSU. Uh, in that they've got two really good baseball prospects that are also good football players that are going to be um, lining up and practicing at least this fall and hopefully contributing to both, uh, both the teams this fall.
2: We will go around the country next. Uh, certainly looking forward to that. and uh, We'll talk about where a uh, uh, much talked about transfer will end up. Don't forget twillery.com. Just go twillery.com. Use the promo code. Locked on, and you can get $25 off of your first purchase. Twillery are fantastic cotton shirts built on century old family manufacturing techniques. Uh, they still make millions of shirts a year for leading brands. Uh, but what they do is now they've cut out the middleman and you can go to them again, twillery.com. Use the promo code locked on. So, coming up. Where is a guy named Chris Steele finally going to end up? We'll discuss right after this. Uh, Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. This is your Locked on SEC football podcast.
1: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
0: You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Alrighty, it's time to go around the country on your Locked On SEC Football podcast. Four-star 2019 quarterback Chris Steele apparently not going to end up at Oregon. What do you make of his decision?
0: Well, I mean, how about the the stories of this past oh, well, couple of weeks. Let's call it Chris Steele and Drew McCoy. Chris Steele, of course, is at Florida. Remember the whole, you know, he wanted to change dorm rooms, didn't like uh, a couple of the guys that he was with and got some trouble. And the whole, he said, he said, I want to leave, you know, modern day kid, uh, excuse me, California kid that uh, drew McCoy's from modern day. Um, so he he's going to go back home, but he had the connection at Oregon. With the, so he's going to transfer from Florida and go to Oregon. Well, not so fast. Now he's decided to go to USC. On the heels of Brew McCoy, who's from modern day, that was going to go to USC. Cliff Kingsbury gets hired as the offensive coordinator. He's going to be happy at USC. Cliff Kingsbury leaves and gets a job in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals as the head man. So Brew McCoy decides to go to Austin, Texas, and rolls there. Uh, likes it, but he gets homesick. So he wants to go back home. So he's back at USC. And then along with Velas Jones, who's transferred uh, USC's recruiting class of 2019, which was in the books, um, has gotten a whole lot better. I mean, they got three really prime kids to add to their class. So I guess recruiting is never over uh, in the future and even in the past with all these transfers. But Chris Steele's saga is, I'm not going to say it's over. I, I, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Uh, with the way these goofy, um, the NCAA is handling these transfers. And I, I, I get, I, you know, they're getting all, Dave, by the way, I i, I got to throw this out there. I, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit. You know, I think the NCAA is heard so much publicly, but they don't get paid. They don't get this and that that they've they've really opened the door and said you want to transfer we're, we're going to be really lenient and let you go wherever you want whenever you want and it's created a well you know a big time screw up situation around the country but all right I'm off my soapbox but the reality is listen I get it some kids have got great you know reasons to want to move um but a lot of this stuff is just really wishy-washy but Anyway, the storyline is Chris Steele, outstanding corner. That was a Gator. Then he was an Oregon Duck. Now he's a USC Trojan. Stay tuned. But that's where he's headed.
2: Yeah, and you don't even have to come up with a good excuse to play immediately. Um, it's just like you can almost say I had a hangnail and I wasn't comfortable. I'm not pointing out Chris Steele because that was a different situation. But with with the leniency, you're right. It's, it's almost as if they've overcompensated four-star linebacker commit uh kevin burley to uh university of texas san antonio but you always wonder a four-star going to a school of that size if other schools will will make a run at him what do you make of uh, his commitment
0: yeah i do think they're gonna make a run first of all i want to mention him very rarely do we get a chance to talk about a prospect that's Going to Texas San Antonio. He's from Harvey, Louisiana, which is a, a suburb of New Orleans. He's very, very good. Now, what's the connection? Frank Wilson, the head coach there, is from New Orleans, former assistant at LSU, Tennessee, and you know, a lot of a lot of places. So he's got a strong, strong, you know, tie there. However, all due respect, Texas San Antonio is Texas San Antonio. It's not a big-time program. Kansas is very interested. I think Arkansas could get him if they really make an offer. LSU hasn't been all that interested. But I wanted to talk about him A because it's a story that, you know, of a player that, that's going to a smaller school. I think he's very underrated. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's undersized. Don't get locked into this and these people who put these, you know, grades and all. Th- this guy can play. He can play at an SEC level. He's that good. He's only six feet, 205. I think he's a safety. I think he's an in-the-box safety. I think he's very athletic. I don't think he turns and covers quite as well deep. This guy's a player. This guy's a really good football player that I will say that even though he's committed um, at this stage, you've alluded to it, I would be surprised if he holds through with that commitment. That's why I want to bring him up. That's why we're bringing him up here. If you're Arkansas, I think Les Miles is, and obviously is very aware of him with his Louisiana connections. Uh, I think he's one of the top 10, 15 players in the state of Louisiana this year. Now that doesn't really mean a whole lot because, you know, you could be the, you know, the 10th best player in the state one year. Uh, That doesn't correlate to the 10 best player next year. How does a guy grade out? I think this guy is really underrated. I think he can play SEC ball. He's definitely an FPS player type player. And if he wants to go to Texas, San Antonio, Godspeed, you know, great. Uh, get all of that. You want, I'm just telling you, this kid's really good. Remember the name Keelan Burley, um, from Harvard, Louisiana, watch him this fall, keep an eye out for him. And he's going to end up, I think on uh, somebody's list and getting a scholarship before we know it in December at an FBS school.
2: Coming up, it will be your scouting spotlight. Looking forward to that. A Georgia player who uh, does not miss tackles, just period. And an Alabama uh, linebacker who's uh, much the same. So stay tuned. A scouting spotlight. We take a look at some current players uh, with the Bulldogs and Crimson Tide right after this. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hook.
0: You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome back. It is time for your scouting spotlight. Let's start with Georgia junior linebacker Monty Rice, uh, who has the lowest missed tackle percentage among returning SEC linebackers. Pretty impressive. Yeah,
0: the skill sets for linebackers, they're the critical factors, and you want a complete list. It's what we do at LandryFootball.com when we grade players by position. Um, We put it up there, what are the criteria to evaluate? So all our recruiting, all our draft stuff has all that information, and it takes too much time to go through the, the 15, 18 different critical factors we look for. But for linebackers, I can tell you that you can't play really good let the linebacker position unless you've got instincts and toughness that has to be really, really good. Okay. Those are the critical factors. What's the most important responsibility of a linebacker? You got to tackle. Well, I mean, you can't tackle as a linebacker. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, you, you just can't it's like being a, a swimmer that, that doesn't know how to swim. I mean, you just can't do it. Um, and, and I think being a good tackler involves bringing you feet and snapping and rapping and being able to bring guys down. Uh, and, and I want to talk about a couple of guys. And the first one is uh, Georgia linebacker, Monty Rice, that uh, when you look at guys in a position to make plays, and there are different things that we chart when we study his films, I sc- study film as scouts. Um, this guy just doesn't miss a lot of tackles. And one of the things that we look at is when you're in a position to make plays, um, it, you don't always get a clean shot. And so you've got to determine the, the tackling versus your uh, the ability to get in a position to tackle. Some guys tackle really well, but they don't have as much range. So they can't get there um, as well as others, whereas maybe others get there and maybe can get a piece of the guy, but they don't wrap up as well. This is just evaluating the ability to make the tackle once you're in a position to do it. And Monty Rice graded out the best of any linebacker that's returning um, in the SEC last year. He's really, really good. Uh, He faces up. He's physical. He brings his feet. Uh, He's an outstanding player. So he's definitely a good cleanup machine for the Georgia Bulldogs.
2: And uh, Alabama junior linebacker Dylan Moses, uh, who you had with the second lowest missed tackle percentage, among uh, returning SEC linebackers, he's right there as well. He is
0: now. He maybe gets to more plays, but you know when you're just grading him in that box of tackling, he's maybe he graded out slightly less than Monty Rice, but really good. Now I think Dylan is a better pro prospect. He's six three two thirty five compared to Monty being six one two thirty five. Um, he's got the chance to be. Uh, to his frame to get a little bit bigger, and to be, without losing any speed or quickness, this guy's outstanding, and he's got great instincts. Um, and he really gets to a, a lot of plays, probably more than Monty. Um, and just in terms of tackling, he is really, really good. I should mention too that uh, another guy that graded out well, and we've talked about him uh, before, and we'll we'll talk about him again. South Carolina's D.J. Brunson is also in this category of elite tacklers at the linebacker position. So wanted to give a shout out to those guys. I always like to make some mention um, when I am looking at film and you kind of putting some of these things out, we talk, we get to some of it, get to a lot more of it at LandryFootball.com. But when I think it's something that's really interesting for our listeners, want to be able to provide that to you. So hopefully you, you, you like that type of stuff. uh, And those guys are really good along with some others but they've stand out recently. So we appreciate uh, It maybe a good time to mention too that for our, uh, our listeners, give us some feedback. You can, um, you know, uh, I know Dave can give us the the Twitter information that, you know, send us some feedback on Twitter, you know, what you like to hear and things that maybe we can uh, address for you here on the podcast on a daily basis. Uh, We're going to try to break down, all of these rosters, all of these coaches, you know, from inside to out and back inside. So, uh, those are a couple of nuggets that we wanted to bring to you today from um, the Scott Spotlight.
2: Yep. Uh, just send us uh, a message at the Dave Hooker at, or at Landry Football on Twitter. If you have any questions about specific players, we can address those. Uh, be more than happy to do that in the SEC. And don't forget, we have the locked on Big 10 football podcast as well so we're with you each and every weekday and, and, and
0: as i like to say dave yes. if, if it involves players teams coaches schemes anything we'll address anything so let us know and hit us up on twitter
2: players team coaches schemes all i could locked on sec football podcast we'll talk to you tomorrow have a fantastic day everyone
1: A hey, prime members